0: Good morning, it's always good to know and hear uh, what's going on around the world and and it is good to be in prayer for the persecuted church. Uh, Like Susan said, there will be the prayer force alert uh, next week in your bulletin, Uh, you'll be able to take that home and pray throughout the month for the persecuted church around the world and just remembering our brothers and sisters who who are in harm's way, but also for your brothers and sisters here who are in harm's way and face ridicule every day. All right, you ready to go? Nehemiah chapter 13 if you turn there with me Nehemiah 13 it is the last chapter in the book of Nehemiah aren't you sad we're sad we're we're coming to an end today in uh, in our study through the book of Nehemiah Uh, I hope it doesn't uh, mean that you don't don't study more of it or don't study it ever again or read it again Uh, continue to study and read and learn from it Uh, it's been exciting and we've looked at uh, this series Nehemiah uh, as a determined servant right, a servant who was faithful and challenged us to be faithful uh, and and obedient in our families and in our church and in our community. And uh, we've seen how how God, uh, the the story began with a a, a servant uh, who was not born in Jerusalem, was not born in Judah, uh, but was born in uh, in Persia, but understood the word of God, understood that God had placed special emphasis on his city the city of Jerusalem that it would be a holy city that ultimately would usher in an era of the Messiah and the Messiah would redeem God's people. And when he heard that the walls and the houses and, and the people were, were tore down and broke down and in distress, he was brokenhearted. We saw brokenheartedness come. Now you and I should be broken about things when they aren't lifting up Jesus as they should, whether it be in our life or the lives of people around us. Then we saw how he was called by God to... To go and, and he prayed and fasted for, for many, many days. And finally he, he went to the, the king uh, of, of Persia and he, he told him what was going on and said, I, this is where my heart is. My, my city, God's city lies in ruins. So he was called to go back and the king let him go back and to begin a rebuilding of the wall. And we saw as, as the story continued, we saw God provide and protect for his people, right? He, he provided protection and provision for all of his people as they, as they came together to make the city what it was intended to be. And we continued into through the story where Nehemiah focused on the hearts of the people, that their hearts would be lived out in response to who God was, that they would, they would respond with their lives and with their worship, right, with their, with their servitude and with their finances, with everything, that they would respond with all that they are to a good and glorious God and to what he has done and will do in and through them. And today, at the end of, at the, end of the book, there's this, this kind of a bummer. We see today how they failed, we see today how they missed the mark and, and how they had to be corrected and rebuked in order to be restored so they could be people for God's glory. You know, how many of, of us have had that, that mountaintop experience, right? We've, we've gone to a retreat or a conference or we've heard a sermon or part of a revival or, or heard that, that worship song on the radio and it was just, wow, I'm, I am on cloud nine right now for Jesus. I am loving everything about my faith and my life. And about what Jesus is doing in and through me. And, and you just were excited, right? And then you, and we have retreats for our youth. We have camps and, and winter retreats. And they go to these things and they're just so jacked up. Like, yeah, this Jesus thing is awesome. I can't wait to get back and serve him. And they come back to reality. right? And reality sets in there. Oh, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. This is more difficult than I ever dreamed it would be. And it doesn't mean we forsake or, or stop going to the mountaintop experience because those mountaintop experiences help us learn and grow. And what our lives end up looking like is this. We, we get this, this emotional and spiritual high from Jesus, and then we kind of drop off a little bit. And come to our senses. We understand we need to grow a little more. We get another one, and we, we should be in a, a progress more towards Jesus and more growing into the image and conformity of the Son, Jesus Christ. The, the, the bad part, if we look at our lives and say, well, one time I had this mountaintop experience and all it's done since then is go downhill. If all it's done since then is go downhill, we need to really examine, did you have an experience with Jesus at all? Because Christ, Christ in me is this great mystery that he pers- starts to produce a fruit and, and he will help and make me grow. So you and I as the people of God, although we will fail, we will fail. You might have failed this morning with your spouse as you got ready for church. You might have failed with your kids last night. You might have failed at work last week. You might have failed to to be a good witness of Jesus Christ to your friends or your neighbors. But God knows we are going to fail. What he wants to do is, is pick us up, dust us off, and send us back into action with his spirit and with him growing a fruit inside of us. So today we're going to look at this this failure and we're going to see how Nehemiah, responded to it and ultimately we talk about this nehemiah being a determined servant today our final our final theme is a, is a servant's legacy because even in the midst of those failures what's really important for the believers is, is how we're remembered when we stand face to face with god what is he going to say to us is he going to remember that Man, you were you were faithful you were as faithful as you possibly could be well done good and faithful servant and are people going to be, look, be able to look at our lives and say, you know what, yeah, they failed. There were times they, they missed the mark, but they're human. But, but more often than not, they just humbled themselves, loved Jesus, loved others, and were faithful to obey. Today's about a servant's legacy. What, what are, what's the legacy you and I are leaving behind? What's the legacy we're leaving behind in three areas, right? In our family, in our church, and in our community. What's the legacy we're leaving behind? All right, so we're going to pray, and we'll get right into, into chapter 13. It's a, it's a rich chapter. Uh, we have four things to talk about today, but it'll be fun. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace. We thank you that we've, we've come so far through Nehemiah and that you've, you've taught us what it is to be a determined servant, faithful to you, responding to your grace with worship and praise and with our lives. And God, today as we look at our legacy, may we understand and come to the reality that we we do fail and we have failed, and that's why Jesus came. And God, we we can embrace you as Savior, as Father and as Friend. God, today I, I pray that you would help us see clearly from your Scripture. You convince us of your truth and convict us of sin. You challenge and change us that we would look more and more like Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so a servant's legacy. Let's look at our, our legacy. Like, what, What's to be said about us? Number one, that God's word would have been treasured, or God's word would be treasured. That should be part of our legacy, right? That we treasure God's word. If we're Christ followers and this is Christ's word, we should treasure and value it. The truth is that we today don't have God through his prophets or God verbally through a burning bush saying, thus saith the Lord. What we have is, thus hath said the Lord. Here is your letter. This is God's love letter given to us so that we might grow and know Jesus Christ. God. God. We have to treasure God's word. Now, we're going to look at Nehemiah, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13. We are going to bounce around, just kind of skip through different verses here. So, so try to follow along. I'll let you know where we're at. Uh, starting in verse 1 and 2, it says, At that time, it said, the book of Moses was read publicly uh, to pe- to the people. The command was found written in it that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God because they did not meet the Israelites with food and water. Instead, they hired Balaam against them to curse them. But our God turned the curse into blessing. So we're going to go down to verse 10. There's this, there's this hostility. God says, hey, this happened with these people. They're not, they're not allowed to be there. This is what happened. And, and they're reading Scripture. They're, they're, their eyes are being opened through Scripture. And Nehemiah begins to rebuke. Now, there's a little bit of a time here where we didn't see what happened. But Nehemiah had left... After the building of the wall, after the establishment of the temple, after people were, were living now in Jerusalem and God's church was starting to flourish and the city was being lifted up, Nehemiah went back to his job, back to Persia, as the cupbearer to the king. And we don't know exactly how long the time had passed. One year, five years, we're not exactly sure. But some time had passed and he came back. And when he came back, things weren't as they were, as he left them. Right? Like I said, the people had let things slip. People had let go of some of the responsibilities and not, not embraced what God had asked them to do with their whole heart. And you and I are like that too. We, we get excited about a commitment we make with God and say, I'm, I'm going to follow through with it. I'm going to do this. And what happens, it starts to kind of slip. Right? New Year's resolutions, are, are, we're famous for that, right? January 1, a new life, a new day, a new dawn. February first, did I make a commitment at all? I can't remember what I thought I was going to do. We slip because we are selfish, because we're self-centered, because we're lazy at times, right? But we, we slip into old ways, and we'll slip into old ways if we don't continue to renew our mind and treasure, for us, treasure God's word. So Nehemiah came back, and, and here's what he sees in verse, look at verse 10 with me. It says, I also found, uh, found out that because of the portions for the Levites had not been given, each of the Levites and the singers performing the servants have gone back to their own field, So so they weren't being provided for, so they couldn't stay and perform perform their task. They needed to to pay the bills. They went back to their own fields, right? That was wrong. Verse 15, cruise down to 15. At that time, I saw people in Judah treading the wine presses on the Sabbath. uh, And they were also bringing in stores of grain and loading them on donkeys, along uh, along with wine, grapes, and figs. All kinds of goods were being brought to Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So I warned them against selling food. On the Sabbath, we'll go to verse 23. In those days, I also saw Jews who had married women from Ashad, Ammon, and Moab. So, so let's stop there for a minute. If you were to go back to chapter 10, and if you didn't get to hear that when Alistair spoke about it, you can, you can go online and listen to it. Uh, but chapter 10 was about God's people making a, a, an agreement and saying, we're going to decide to embrace God's covenant for us. By our responding with our lives in certain ways. And it was was to keep the Sabbath and it was to provide financially for the temple and the temple servants and for the for the gospel going forward. And it was to not intermarry, right? Not to not to take people from other religions and other cultures and, and try to mix them in because that's what happened before and that's what led us down a road to destruction. We wanted to be purely set apart people of God, that the people of God would come together as the people of God. And we saw that was the covenant they made. And then now in chapter 13, we see them breaking every one of these these promises or these these covenants that they had made with God and going against it. But what I want you to look at here is, is the verbiage that he uses, that Nehemiah uses. He says in verse 10, I also found out, or I also saw. In those days, I also saw the Jews had married. At that time, I saw. See, Nehemiah was observing. But it wasn't just a simple observation Nehemiah had determined, as a servant of God, to observe reality, observe his people, observe his family, his church, his community, through the lenses of God's holy word. That when he saw something that was true, it was because God's word said it was true. See, Nehemiah could distinguish between what was true and what was a lie, what was right and what was wrong. See, Nehemiah, he knew the Word. He knew the Word, and he knew what they had resolved and covenanted to do and embraced. And when he looked at what was going on, what did he know? That's not it. That's not the truth. That's not the right way. So for you and I as God's people, who treasure God's Word and want to make that part of our servant's legacy, you and I have to be renewed in our mind to treasure and seek God God and His truth. That when we see a circumstance in our our life or the lives of people around us, we can identify what is true and what is not true. Keep your finger here. Turn to the book of Psalms real quick. Psalms, just a couple pages uh, behind this. 119, 119, verse 105. I just want to... Let God's word describe for us his word. Psalm 119, beginning at 105, and we'll read through 112. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. How many of us have heard that, right? It was on the daily devotional this morning, right? On our little foot card. Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted, Lord. Give me life through your word. So even though we're pressed, even though we're crushed, right? Even though we're persecuted, we're not abandoned. And God's God's word gives us life. God's word gives us correction. Lord, it says in verse 108, please accept my willing uh, offerings of praise and teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked has set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever, as a legacy, as something I can hold on to. It's part of who I am forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. See, there's something about the the Word of God that's powerful and impacts our life for the glory of God. And not only for the glory of God, but for our joy that our joy would be, would be found there. And as we obey the Word of God, we would, we would have joy. Even though there's going to be persecutions or people looking at us weird or thinking we're funny, there's, there's still going to be joy because of God's Word. We must understand there's joy in the redemption of God through His Messiah, Jesus Christ. There's joy in that. That in and through Christ alone that God would not be holding our sins against us. See, that's been revealed to us by His Spirit and through the Word of God. That you and I are far from God because of, because of our sin. But, but it's made, we've had a, may, a way made for us to be reconciled to God. That relationship to be fixed and resolved. Because God decided to put the punishment that we deserved to put it on Christ. That it was, God was pleased to crush Jesus so that you and I could have a righteousness not of ourselves, but one, of, one from Christ through the shedding of His blood on the cross. And see, the joy we get from being free in Christ, there's a freedom in Christ, should drive us to our knees and drive us to His Word to treasure Him and treasure the Word of God. There is freedom in Christ and letting Him and His Word prevail in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Number two. A servant's legacy, well, we would accept correction. We would accept correction. I got an email from a, from a, brother, a, cr- a Christian brother this week. Very interesting. Okay, a great great email about uh, his, his ponderings about a passage of Scripture. He wanted to, to think about it and has to wrestle with it a little bit. And, and at the end of the whole writing, he wrote some, a lot of his own thoughts in there. At the end of his own writing, he wrote, uh, Criticism appreciated. Criticism appreciated. Man, the humility of that, right? And the excitement like, "Oh, okay. I'll start critiquing this." You know, you start getting your notepad out and you're going to respond back, "Well, this was a little off," and you misspelled, you know. We want to start criticizing and, and we think that'd be a great role for us. If we if someone would just let us sit on a chair all day long and judge other people and criticize the way they live, we could do it, right? Come on in. Well, your hair's a mess, you're not wearing plaid, you know, we could criticize. We're great at criticizing. We'll accept that. And we, when it's in that kind of a setting, we're first to say, I'll, yep, I'll do it. I'll criticize. It's okay. But for you and I as servants, as determined servants who want to live and leave a legacy that is of Christ, it will not be one of judgment from us, but it will be one where we are willing to accept judgment from others. We are willing to accept criticism and correction from others. And those others, the little asterisk on others, are those who have humbled themselves before God and His Word and want to gently instruct and encourage us back into faith, back into obedience, back into a place where you and I would live our lives for the glory of God. See, the glory of God is what's at stake here. Our legacy should be one to accept criticism, but humility is tough, isn't it? Humility is tough. Okay, back to verse 10. In Nehemiah 13, hopefully you're there. Let's, let's look at what happened here. Uh, we read this verse, we we'll 10 and 11. It says, I also found that because of the portions of the Levites had not been given, each of the Levites and singers performing the service had gone back to his own field. Therefore, I rebuked the officials saying, why has the house of God been neglected? I gathered the Levites and singers together and stationed them at their posts. Verse 16, go to 16. The Tyrians living there were importing fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem. I rebuked the nobles of Jerusalem and said to them, what is this evil thing you're doing profaning the Sabbath day? Didn't your ancestors do the same thing? Here's a history lesson. He wants to say, like, remember we were there once. We've done this. It didn't work out for us. Didn't your ancestors do the same thing so that our God brought all this disaster on us and on this, cit- on this city? And now you are rekindling his anger against Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Pretty harsh. A little history lesson. It gets worse. Let's 24. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and the and the language of the other peoples, but could not speak Hebrew. I rebuked them, cursed them, and beat some of them, their men, and pulled out their hair. All right? It's getting fun. I forced them to take an oath before God and said, you must not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters as wives for your sons or yourselves. And Nehemiah said, this is a big deal. This This is important. Well, what's important? We think about beatings and pulling out hair. It seems harsh, and it may be, but we must understand that the consequences of sin are detrimental and they're serious. We must think about the consequences ahead of time or expect to suffer them. There's a seriousness in in the consequences of our sin. What are they? Well, well one, it says I'm far from God. I'm not in a close relationship with Him. Another, another consequence of sin is this, that God's glory isn't being seen through our lives. When you and I, through our actions and disobedience, drag Jesus through the mud behind us, it doesn't say much about Jesus. It doesn't lift up Jesus to the people. What it's doing is lifting up you and profaning him it's it's like we have to crucify him over and over and over again no he he is the lord he is the king of kings and lord of lords he is to be on that throne of our hearts and of our lives that people people would see through our lives our obedience that he is the king that we would joyfully submit to that so when we don't do that our legacy should be one of accepting criticism although consequences aren't fun god uses them to correct and to strengthen and to heal. God uses them. I'm going to read a passage out of Job chapter 5. And it's on your notes you can flip to it later. It says, "See how many see how happy, I'm sorry, the man is that God corrects. So do not neglect the discipline of the almighty So see how happy we could be, right? See how happy we are when we are corrected and disciplined. For he, in verse, verse 18 it says for he crushes but he also binds up he strikes, but His hands also heal. You see, He's the Redeemer. He's our Lord, and, and He is our Father who disciplines the ones He loves, Scripture says. So you and I should be in a place and a position in our lives that whenever we go astray, whenever we wander away from what, what, we, what we should be doing, that we should be ready and willing in humility to accept correction from our God accept discipline from our God and maybe that's from him through his word or through his people but that we would be willing to accept correction and leave that legacy isn't that a great legacy to leave that when that, that it could be said to me that when someone came and said Brandon you're doing something wrong I accepted criticism thought through it prayed through it changed what I needed to change and lived in a different way or the other side of that would be when someone when someone came to me and said Brandon you're doing something wrong I'd say bug off I'm not doing anything wrong I'll do what I want I was a man who lived a pride. See, what does that say about my Savior? Not much. See, I want want to make much of Jesus through my life and my my humility and my obedience. And let God discipline me as as a father disciplines a son. Number three, if we're leaving a legacy as good servants, God would be glorified. God would be glorified. Let's continue in our text. Let's go back to verse three. It's, It's neat. This is interlaced through all of the text today. Verse 3 says this. When they heard the law, they separated all those of mixed descent from Israel. There, there was this, this need. They heard and responded to God's word and God's call, and they said, yeah, we, we aren't the church plus all the culture inside of us and mix, mix it all up, and that's what we are. We are the church. We're God's people. We stand for things that they don't stand for, and we don't stand for things they do stand for, right? We, we are going to be different in our lives. We're going to live differently. We're going to live sanctified and set apart for God's glory. So they separated out those that would not. Go to verse 7. 7-9 through nine says, Then I discovered the evil uh, that Elisha had, had done on behalf of Tobiah by providing him a room in the courts of God's house. I was greatly displeased and threw all of Tobiah's household possessions out of the room. I ordered that the rooms be purified and that the articles of the house of God restored there along with the grain offerings and frankincense. So what they had done is they cleared out a storeroom which was supposed to be a storeroom for the first fruits and for the, for the provisions for the temple and people. I said, oh, well, here, let's make this a little B&B. You, know, you can stay there. We'll put a nice bed in there for you. It'll be comfortable. No, no worries. It's okay. No, there are worries there. That's not okay. Nehemiah saw it. He came in. He threw the stuff out and re- reset things how they should be set for the glory of God so that God would be uh, elevated, that God would be lifted up. Go down to verse 19. It says, When the shadows began to fall on the gates of Jerusalem just before the Sabbath, I gave orders that the gates be closed and not, o- not open until after the Sabbath. I posted some of my men at the gates so that no goods could enter during the Sabbath day. Uh, verse 22. Then I instructed the Levites to purify themselves and guard the gate in order to keep the Sabbath day Holy. He's taking care of business here. He's making sure that things are set in the right place, in the right, in the right way, so that they would be the people of God, loving each other and loving their community with a pure heart, with a pure faith, and that would lift up and glorify God. And finally, verse 30, it says, So I purified them from everything foreign and assigned specific duties to each of the priests and Levites. He's like, here's the deal. We're getting rid of all of that, and here's what we're going to do. Back on track. Let's go, team. Let's go, team. And, and he was setting things back in order for the glory of God. That, that God would be lifting up, and, and not us, not people. Listen, you guys, our lives are not our own. Our lives are not our own. We were bought at a price. They are Christ's. And they are to be used for His glory. Amen? I am Christ's. You are Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God, and you are to be used for His glory as instruments the scripture says as instruments of his righteousness what does that mean well our lives are to be lived as ambassadors of christ letting the world know that god will not hold their sins against them that if they believe the gospel if they believe and have faith in jesus christ they can be forgiven as well that our lives would be lived to glorify him and point people to jesus number four finally number four if we want to leave a legacy, we'd be found faithful. We would be found faithful in the end. I want you to look at what Nehemiah's response was, and his prayer was. Start at verse 14. Remember me for this, my God, and do not erase the deeds of faithful love I have done for my house or for the house of my God and for its services. Look at twenty-two, the section or B, 22 B, the last half of it. Remember me for this also, my God, and look on me with compassion in keeping with your abundant faithful love. And finally, the end of verse 31, the last, the last text in, in, our, in our book of Nehemiah in chapter 13. Remember me, my God, with favor. You see, Nehemiah had endeavored and determined that he would be found faithful. Faithful over and over again the question is this what, what are people going to say what are pe- people going to say about you and what are people going to say about me how are we going to be remembered I pray and I endeavor as Nehemiah to be found faithful to God in my family in my church and in my community That when I see Jesus face to face, that he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope that's what you pray as well. hope that the legacy that you and I can, can leave behind us is one of faithfulness to God. And we are eagerly anticipating the day when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity you've given us to look to your word. God, to, to, to end his study on, on Nehemiah and, and how awesome of a servant he was. And God, we know Nehemiah wasn't perfect and neither are we, but God, we endeavor and desire to be servants of God Almighty, servants of Christ, ambassadors got instruments of righteousness that would, go, that would go out of here, out of this place as missionaries for the cause of Christ, advancing the gospel wherever we go, that we would lift up Jesus, that we would proclaim Jesus, that would, our lives and everything we do would be all about Jesus. We thank you for what he did for us. We thank you for the cross and for the resurrection. We thank you that now our lives can be freely lived in response to him. Change us and challenge us, God, every day. To be faithful, to be good and faithful servants. And we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. As we close, it's our opportunity to respond, like always. And uh, you can sing and worship in response to God, or you can pray. And say, God, I, I, I've been on that mountain before. I'm not now. I want to get back on that mountaintop. I want to get back into the right relationship with you. Maybe you've you've strayed away. Maybe you've gone to a place where you you aren't being faithful right now where you are letting things slip and you need to rekindle that and refocus that whatever whatever you need to do right now as we sing you pray you come forward i'd love to pray for you and with you you sing you worship but whatever we do let's respond to god and his goodness let's sing